Hey there, boils and ghouls. Welcome to this week's episode of Hollow Weekly. Nick and George here with some duds. I mean, it's we're calling this elite duds. Elite duds. Because, you know, a lot of times you watch stuff and it's hit or miss how you feel about it. A lot of people are enjoying it and they're like, what happened? Like, like I would be malignant. Like, the first yes. five reviews I read Conjuring about were, three. were positive. Right. Yeah. And then boom. So. Usually, though, if something has a pedigree, it comes from a director you trust yes. or it's 97 percent on Rotten Tomatoes or it's a legendary, you know, so project, ingrained in the culture. Right. That everyone knows that yeah. you, somehow you haven't watched it like uh, like King Kong with Jessica Lange. I'm just kidding. So, <laughs> but, but right. So you these are elite things where you're like, these aren't going to burn us. And we got burned three times in a row. Three times, but by, by elite pedigree co- like products. Yeah, so so we have some burns, and and, and we don't normally like to like no. talk, and we're not gonna be like, oh, this movie fucking sucked. We're yeah. just gonna kind of describe like what we thought it was versus what like kind of what we got. Yeah, there's enjoyable stuff in two out of the three, and the third one I enjoyed hating as much as I did. So like, <laughs> that's fair. And at the end of the episode, <laughs> we each have something that uh, that we liked. Well, and on a positive note, by something elite that. Elite that came through. Yeah, right? something that like, came through. Like something came through. Because you know we don't want to end on a like King yeah, Kong. We're not a twenty four. We're not going to end this podcast on. A, <laughs> oh <laughs> something, God! Something. What a twenty four? I won't even have a head by the time this podcast is over. Okay, that's true. Uh, okay, so let's start with it's a very new release as of Thursday on Shutter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mad God. Mad God by uh, the legendary Phil Tibbet. Phil Tibbet. Is it Tibbet? Tibbet. I got all the IMDb's right here. Tip it. So T-P-E-T-T. Lots of t- So we were looking forward to this for a long time. Yeah. As were many, many, many people and presumably some still. Yeah. I remember seeing a trailer for it like quite a while ago and the fact that it was like a stop motion horror film. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I like I really love like all like the like of movies like Coraline and mm-hmm. uh, that kind of stuff. So I was like, Oh, this is gonna be great. Like who's who, how are you gonna not love a stop motion? Right, no, totally. It, what what you what was released? Just the the little clips of it looked incredible, sounded yeah. incredible, and then the pedigree behind it is elite. And then Shutter, pretty reliable. And, and the, the the marketing they used for it was it was uh, there was a couple big things that was hammered on. Hmm. One was like the review from Guillermo del Toro saying that you know this. Oh, guy, what did he say? I didn't it, know. It said he is a master. I think he, it he is action. a master, and yeah, I agree. Like mm-hmm. this is uh, this is out of the three films, this is one of the. No, no, I mean he's a master at the other things he do that. Are, that oh, work. I, I would, I would even go forward to say like, uh, this film is more masterfully crafted just because of what's the details in it. Maybe, maybe we'll compared see. to John Carpenter's we'll Vampire. I don't know. That's the thing is, if I, I I'm rerunning in my head, I'm giving John Carpenter thirty years to make vampires, and I suspect that. Movie. Well. <laughs> I there, suspect. I think it's actually. I suspect then the vampires is a much better. Film. I think it's actually thirty-three years. That extra, <laughs> well, that extra three years. <laughs> yeah, thirty-three know. years. That's. I mean, Jesus. That's all of. Yeah. So it was you know thirty-three years of the making, and then you see Guillermo del Toro says this guy's a, this guy's you know a, mm-hmm. a master at his, at his craft, and um, I saw a tweet today that I think Shudder retweeted and it was just watch a mad God and uh what <laughs> so I think there's kind of maybe like a consensus Consen- around <laughs> right like the weirdness about the what part right yeah about the the uh right but the thing is as someone who 
you know, I've watched like the end of Mulholland Drive for fun twenty times in a row. I was gonna, I wanted right, like the weirdness wasn't gonna stop me. The the lack of story that's totally fine. You can do that in horror or in movies like really well. Sometimes you do it accidentally. You're Michael Bay. You just don't have a story, but you think you do. And sometimes you're artfully don't have a story or whatever, right? So I, that wasn't bothering me at all. It wasn't the lack of story. It was the lack of points of anything right okay. like you can see a movie like so here t- take an example of let's say there's a movie that you don't connect with like gene dealman is that avant-garde movie that i was telling you about that jenny drove us crazy where someone like eats pasta makes pasta. oh is that the mom read it again <laughs> yeah. makes one? pasta eats pasta reads a poem to her son all in real time you just watch the the boiling of the water or the Pasta into the pot. So I, I don't want to Gene Dillman. <laughs> well, good, because at the end I was going to, George, describe it again. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Just so you can really. Right, exactly. But the, but the thing is, like, you that that has no story to it. But it had a point, right? The point yeah. of, you could tell that the movie had a point. The point it was trying to get across was you can't experience why these people are going to do the incredibly desperate thing they're going to do at the end of the movie without realizing how desperate they feel. And the only way we think we can make you feel that desperate is put you in their shoes. So now you're squirming like this day has got to go faster. My food won't even cook. You're that like, there's a point I didn't get any of that from this movie at all. The, the, what I got from this movie was cool visuals, man. That's, Right, like this, you. This movie could either be called Mad God or Sweet Visuals, dude. Like, cause I, feel, right, I feel like it's either, right. it's either or. It's not like a story. It's like a story and point that 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 got to me. It, and there's thousands of people out there listening to this right now who are like. Um, man, it's Dante's Inferno and Tower of Babel, and this is an allegory of this. And I'm sure, right, <laughs> right. I, I mean, and I'm usually pro that. I'll do that all day long with Lynch or you know all kinds of. We just saw Wizard of Oz, and I, with capitalism of Wizard of Oz is fascinating. We could talk about it for a while if you want. But th- this, <laughs> if you're telling me there's an allegory in here, I get it that there's somewhere there's an allegory in there for a moment. But you got to like, yeah. It's got a hook to other things, and it's one of the it's one of those uh, you know situations with I think there's like maybe two lines of dialogue, and it's someone mm-hmm. yelling "Oh no!" and something else. It's definitely not from like our the main people we follow throughout, yeah. throughout the movie. And the "Oh no!" that might have been accidental. It might have been the investors. <laughs> 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 maybe in the background maybe um <laughs> but like so so it's one of those situations where it's just really really cool visuals no um no dialogue right but but which primal uh, that's what i wanted to bring up you, you compare it to something like primal mm-hmm. both are just heavily rely on the visuals but mm-hmm. primal does it 10 times better yes you when you when we were t- we were talking on the phone and you were going to sell me on Primal, which I ended up loving. And when you tried to sell me on it, you told me an episode. And I did not realize Primal had no dialogue. like yes. Because the story you told me made so much sense. Yes. Right? That I assumed that at some point the two the partners were talking to each other or whatever. I just assumed. And then later when you were talking, you are like, oh, there's no dialogue. But I didn't. I couldn't have figured out there's no dialogue because the story was so coherent. It was made sense like you i mean just because you have no dialogue you i mean fucking buster keaton and charlie chaplin 
managed without <laughs> fucking words. What's that? Like, so I'm just saying it's, it's, it's not, it's, I didn't get the point and I imagine a lot of people won't. And I really enjoyed some of the visuals, but the, even the visuals weren't enough, like just magnificence to overcome the rest. Like, yes. you know, like Ronnie James Dio's voice was so incredible that when cringe lyrics would happen that were, you know, like I'm, you know, whatever to you know something so corny that like, like Vincent Price would have been ashamed to, to, <laughs> to, to say it with a straight face. I, it's okay because he's hitting a note. No one, no other human has ever hit or whatever. Right. Right. That's what you have to do with this. You got to hit some visual that no one else has ever done. And I just didn't get that either. The opening was incredible. The opening was cool there. You could see like a lot of like Lovecraftian, Mm-hmm. Kind of, kind of stuff, and that that really like and primed... the title card reveal. I mean, you rewound it to show me. I, th- it was, I thought it I, was great when that happened. I was like, "Oh, we're in for a great time." Me and too. then, and then we walked past the electrocuting, constantly shitting men feeding the giant monster who was making maggot babies, which was kind of cool. I just didn't, it didn't enjoy the be it. It didn't go anywhere. Evil B. I was gonna. I wanted to bring that up. Oh God! Too. No, no one will know what that is. Well, luckily, everyone listening to this clearly has an internet connection and can go to YouTube.com Indeed. and put an Evil B. And what's the band's the band's name? Menomina or Menomina. I don't never know how to put say an that. Evil B. And it should come up. But it's a very it's a very similar kind of like um, stop motiony mm-hmm. uh, type story. But I can. I, but I and constructed the same way, like the liquids inside things are getting pulped to feed other things in the system that turn around to feed other things in the system and then there's like a planet of the apes oh my god we're on earth reveal that's usually how those stories go you know what i mean like and and i thought mad guy was trying to do it but that's i was telling you at one point there was this was to me it 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 crystallized what was wrong with the movie halfway through when I realized that they were sending another one of the little My Bloody Valentine guys through the, you know, the journey. And <laughs> the My Bloody Valentine. <laughs> or whatever. They were. The yeah, goggles they, guys. Yeah, all they needed was a little pickup. I mean, <laughs> they look, they don't know, they look just like it, yeah. Like they just keep sending these guys to their doom. And they they drop this guy, you know, down through the air defenses and the shit factory and all the stuff that he encounters. Whatever. And they're about to do it again, right? It's like Edge of Tomorrow. It's like live, die, repeat. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So they're 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 doing it again, and they drop him, and he lands somewhere. And we just watch someone go through this entire process. And the point of live, die, repeat is that Tom Cruise gets incrementally better and closer because yeah. he's figuring things out as he goes, right? So in. <laughs> In this construct, first of all, the only innovation, the improvement, like like Tom Cruise, the next time he goes through, like he figures out how to pass a message to himself, you know, through the path. Like in this one, they try approximately 1.7 million times with no because at all. You, you, and we know this because of all the briefcases and Big Business Mountain. <laughs> Which you dubbed. <laughs> there was just a mountain of abandoned briefcases with dynamite in them and clocks that none of them triggered. And he called, you called it Big Business Mountain, which was <laughs> chef's kiss. And then, so then we get to Big Business Mountain and then, then they drop this guy down and I turn to you and I'm like, all right, freeze this movie. So we, I'm like, give him some advice. Tell this guy, you just watch the whole cycle. Like, tell him what to do. Tell him a better path to go. Like, And you couldn't because you can't. Because there's no one. You don't know in this world who are the guards, who are the enemies, who are the oh, I, I innocent, given him who directions. are the friends. Who are the... I could have given directions. Easy. So walk past the electrocuting, constantly shitting men. Go downstairs. 
uh, don't get caught by the <laughs> evil baby monitor. And uh, then hang a, no, 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 no. <laughs> hang a left. We're almost there. Hang a left. Okay. And if you see a giant bull getting jerked off in an alleyway, you're you're in the right direction. Are you? Go past him. Don't look him in the eyes. Right. <laughs> don't look him in the eyes. No. Keep going. Yes. And eventually you'll find Big Business Mountain. Where you'll fail. That's not the point. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying. I mean, that's not my goal. I was saying advice. Trying no, you the, you're trying to blow the whole place up. And it turned out the way to do that was pixie dust or something. But we'll get to what. Yes. Yeah. Actually, I don't want to dwell too much on this movie because we got two others to get to. So we can yeah, do that one. Uh, the thing is, I don't want to actually just like endlessly shit on this movie like four other guys that I know would who live in this movie. But um, <laughs> but um, the. The, I will say that when the mobile sinister baby transfer sequence happened, I got much more into it. It yeah. got much more visually interesting. There was some sort of story thing going on. It gave me the vibe of that movie, The Host, the the the, the parasite uh, director. The oh yeah, the where the muck and the alley and the whatever. It kind of had that you know feel to it. Uh, as this thing was floating, traveling, you know, sinister, big scale, small scale, like you were saying, like all of a sudden it was huge Lovecraftian and then tiny, yeah. they were stepping on little tiny creatures and then they were dwarfed by mammoth statues. That whole sequence was pretty great. So I, I give it that. I just, that's not enough. <laughs> yeah, for me, this, the constant <laughs> shift and, and scale was really cool. Very, it always kept you on your toes because each room mm-hmm. you went into, it was kind of like, you know, a haunted you know house. Each room was just yep. completely different. It's just after a while, it, you know, it gets kind of, it's got like a kind of a little little grading to me. It reminded me of, there's a CKY music video called Inhuman Creation Station. It's weird. All these stop motion <laughs> things are all about like creating some kind of like work involuntary workforce <laughs> yeah right, right, right. <laughs> very interesting very interesting yeah. i have nothing else to add nope to mad mad god mad god i mean if you if you love cool visuals you know tr- try it i mean i don't want to some I, of the music the starting music and ending music were great and the only thing like i can say is what every reviewer is going to say right you've never seen anything like it <laughs> I mean, I felt like I've seen a lot of stuff. Like I feel like uh, you know, it's like I said. I feel like I've been into a thrift shop in Burbank. Like we right. know what that I feel like I've like. seen a tool video. But anyway, good moving on. <laughs> all right, so that was that was Mad That's God. Mad God. So all right, so working our way backwards. Yes. Right, we watched Mad God last night and had the experience we had. Yes. I don't regret watching it though. No. I'm glad I'm glad I saw it. Me too. Uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, on Shutter as well. It was the last date was on Shutter. It was mm-hmm. Catherine Bigelow's Near Dark, legendary. And I've it's eighty seven, right? Yeah, eighty eighty eight. I think. Okay. No, no, eight. You're right. Eighty seven. Vampires okay. is eighty eight. It's weird. They're both like oh, back, weird. Okay. back to back. Uh, yeah. So nineteen eighty seven is Near Dark. Catherine Bigelow. Um, if you if you follow like any kind of horror page or just you know horror stuff in general, you've seen the shot of Bill Paxton, you know, burnt to a crisp with like with holes shining through his hands and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, neither of us had seen this movie. No, weird. Before. And it, because it's it's I mean it it, it was con- it's considered one of the crowning jewels of the vampire genre, which has got to be like one of the largest subgenres of horror, if not the largest. Yeah, and when you look up like best you know '80s vampire horror movies, this is always it's usually like two or or two. Yeah, Yeah. I mean it's it's a it's a well well regarded film, right? Mm -hmm. So it has an incredible cast, and on paper, 
you get it because sort of it that what I was telling to you when we were watching it was the Rose the Hat gang vibe. Yes. Were could be excellent. Like when you nail that, like they did in Doctor Sleep, that kind of outlaw gang with each has their role and each has their character. It's almost like a horror heist movie situation where you're everyone has a particular skill set or, you know, personality trait that's going to drive part of the story or whatever. So you can see that it was, had more care in its construction than like a typical cash in horror movie, like Dracula 2000 or whatever. Right. So, (laughs) so, right. It's not Dracula 2000. You can see a mile away. It's not going to be. So we were excited. And it was, it was weird enough. Like the second vampire Western we were watching Mm -hmm. too. And, you think with someone like Catherine Bigelow attached to it, like, you know, she's an Oscar winner, dude. Yeah, like, it's a lock. Yeah, you think, like, oh, this is easy. Like, this is going to be one of those. It was sort of, I thought we were going to have the same experience when we watched They Live. And it was, I know this is a, you know, a, a highly regarded, you know, mm-hmm. film from this, you know, acclaimed director. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, you watch you know they live and you're like well how the fuck did i wait so long to watch this like this like yeah. this I, I i don't know what i was thinking of getting into when i watched they live and it met that whatever imaginary thing i came up with and then some like it was actually it's i'm glad you said that because i think i could neighborhood this and that that's interesting so if if you had asked me i don't know 10 years ago before the renaissance or five years ago maybe we don't have to go that far back whatever which is a better movie exorcist 3 or near dark i without i would have guessed near dark would be better than exorcist 3 i would have i would have just based on reputation yes right and so that's like the neighborhood i i would have expected near dark to near dark to honestly better be better than elm street 3 not more fun but better you think it would be like a like a i don't know I don't want to say like Oscar-y type film, but it's hard not right. to because, but like just like a more streamlined mm-hmm. type of film. You know what I mean? Right. Like what, if you had asked me to guarantee a movie that would be better than near dark going into it, like I would have to like, I guarantee that this, no matter how good near dark is, I got to pick a movie that near dark can't beat, Right. Without knowing going into it, I would have had to go really high. I would have been oh, like easy. John Carpenter's Halloween or something like I because I would have feared near dark. I, it's legendary. Yeah. Anyway, I, I thought the exact same thing. Right. Unfortunately, so maybe you expectations were set too high because. Well, I'm going to blame it all on Caleb. <laughs> Just one of the dumbest heroes oh. in a horror movie. Oh, my God. Kind of. Thor, ever. the dog from Bad Moon, is a better hero than Caleb. It's so wild. You brought up Bad Moon. So the, I mean the the one big thing with with Near Dark why it's bad is is the writing like the writing is is pretty pretty bad terrible what the hell terrible and it was it was co written by Catherine Bigelow and a guy named Eric Red <coughs> yes Eric Red was the writer yeah Bad Moon oh shit <laughs> that, that's really weird wow. isn't that weird well bad adapter moon? of bad moon because bad moon's a novel yeah so i think i think i think screw it i was looking at their credits and there's some i like for near dark it was writer and uh bad moon it, i think it was a screenplay crazy um, but still it's weird that like it's funny because uh, on looking back both end sequences are incredibly visually goofy 
Yeah. They're the kind of things that if you rescored them with other music and put them on a YouTube don't laugh channel, those people are screwed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. But you just don't notice it in Bad Moon because you're really rooting for the dog and the heroes. Right. The, it's it's got some legitimately scary parts. So you're kind of into it. Meryl Hemingway, if I remember, was amazing. Like so. But with Near Dark. They're like slow. <laughs> Everyone looks like they're on the cover of Pink Floyd. Wish we were here. Yeah, or, smoke's coming out. Or, right, but they—it's just. I mean, come on. The the one of the through lines of this and John Carpenter's Vampires, which spoilers the other movie we're going to talk about, is that I, I just it, I cannot believe how like. Don't do this. There are things that vampires you shouldn't do to vampires. They should not blow up like medium-sized bombs. My opinion. I just don't think they should. You mean bombs like in, uh, the Hurt Locker, directed by Academy Award <laughs> yes, winner yes, Catherine Bigelow? Yes. Right, right, right. Exactly. And they also should not, you know, run to death. <laughs> well, there's a lot of like. One of the big problems we had mm -hmm. with it was just how goofy a lot of it was. So first of all, it's a vampire movie where they don't have fangs, right. which which is, I guess, fine. Like I think when we went to go watch Intruder at Josh's, you, you said something like you'd have to gum someone to death, and that visual is just awful. <laughs> it's, it would take like six months, right, to, to break. But skin. it's not. They're all savaging people. They're tearing their open with their regular teeth like that. You could do that. Yeah, you can't do that. There's just it's not thing um so there so there's the fangs thing which is fine like if they don't if you if you decide you want to do a twist on vampires and get rid of fangs like that's fine i could sure no, i can i can live <laughs> what do you need fangs no, for i you get it it's just there, it there's, a there's sun straw and stick it in <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> no you're right i mean you could hack it right but like uh, the 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 thing that I'm opposed to here is that it builds in some horror fan hypocrisy now, right? Because yeah. so like 98 percent of horror fans approve of this movie, but every time we post a horror meme making fun of all the fangs with Twilight being the punchline, yeah, everyone's like whatever. But Near Dark is lamer fangs than Twilight. There's there's sharper teeth than Twilight. That <laughs> right. is a fact. Okay. Um, you're right though. I I can forgive it, but. Imagine if I like I made a werewolf movie, but like when the moon came out, my ass got hairy. <laughs> like that was you know, right. Say right. Like that's, that's a the, great. It's, right. the, it's not that great. This kind is... of annoying. You know, <laughs> less teeth. Um, Gotta watch the beach. But also, also, it's supposed to be this like ragtag group of uh, vampires. Uh, like in the south or whatever, or midwest. Yeah, it's the Italian job of vampires. Yeah, and so they've been around for years. Like. Uh, Oh my! Forever, never, never. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a heart attack. You have to take this whole. But they cannot keep track of time. Like there is, there is like twelve occasions in this Brief. movie where like the sun is clearly coming up, and one of them goes, "Wait, what time is it?" It's like it's time to get a watch, dude. An alarm clock. If you're gonna rob and murder people, steal their wallets, go to Target, get an alarm clock. And it, it, this is like the sun. It just just it totally wrecks the vampires in this movie completely. The sun is like the sun to like if you were taking the SAT or if that even still exists or whatever anymore. The analogy, the word problem would be <laughs> the sun is to near dark vampires as I mean I don't even know 
as cat jump scares are in horror movies, right? Like, just inexplicably, boom, son! Oh my god, son! We gotta go. It, like even in the be- even in the beginning when um, May meets Caleb mm-hmm. and they're driving in their truck for mm-hmm. like what seems like hours and hours and hours like it feels like they he meets her at like 2 30 in the morning and then all of a sudden they're in the truck and it's like 5 5 30 you know 5 50 and the sun's coming and it's just like how many times like you think okay i honestly oh thought <coughs> one time you know she's in the truck with the guy mm-hmm. and i didn't think that she was gonna live necessarily i thought maybe like that was gonna be the introduction to like the vampires in this world like right. that would actually be kind of cool it kind of would be like you know sort of like the end of 30 days of nights but with a small yeah. c4 explosive <laughs> yes in the vampire yes and i thought oh maybe that's cool but then it turns out you know she's part of the ragtag group she's gonna bite him he's gonna have to join them and I was like, okay, maybe they're just gonna do this something once because you know, you know the rules of vampires. Like going in this movie, you know that they're gonna have sharp teeth. Nope. They can't, you know, garlic crosses sunlight. And so I was like, okay, that's cool. You because you, you know she's a vampire. The sun's coming up. It's gonna create that tension. Mm-hmm. And like, hey, that's a great scene. Like they're mm-hmm. like they're gonna, you know, there's a bomb under the table. It's gonna but that ain't five minutes. It's that that kind of thing. Yep. And then they do it again. Yeah. And then they do it again. Yeah. And then Lance Hendrickson, Hendrickson's like, what time? Wait, what time is it? It's it's 2 in the afternoon. Right. The and then you notice the movie's called Near Dark. That's the thing. It, it's in the title. They're blind to Near Dark. The villain of this movie is the soft, diminishing lack of light at a certain point of day. That's the most fearsome thing in this film. It's well, it's certainly not Caleb or his dad. <laughs> I mean, also like no, because because that was the whole subplot of the movie is Caleb's mm-hmm. dad's like working with these police to try to find him, and I've never seen a dad look for his son with less, <laughs> you know, pizzazz. Like he, like it almost kind of feels like he wrote it on his. T- he was like mow the grass. Yep. Check the mail. Get pick up uh, you know, drugs for the pharmacy. Maybe look for my son. Uh, hopefully, we just happened to chance run into him at a motel that we're staying at after murdering a bar full of hicks. Right, right. right. <laughs> like it's just the urgency is just not there. Right. Don't stay out too late because the son. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no. But the supporting cast, like you know, we were talking about uh, Rose the Hat. Yeah. Like you really feel like when that gang swoops in, mm-hmm. like there's gonna there's gonna be some trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, when this team rolls in, I'm like, all I got to do is just get in a car and drive away until do some laps until the sun comes up. They, they have, I admire the effort, right? Mm-hmm. Th- they have a method to black out the vehicle on the run in case they're caught by the sun. It involves a lot of duct tape and <laughs> curtain materials yes. and burlap and you know denim or whatever whatever's at hand just you know anything a lot of a lot of joanne's fabrics yeah ex- exactly right so they they you know they could die from lack of fabric but i think they're well stocked so that's good i have problems with villains that could be defeated by lack of fabric but that's okay yes so that right that's part of their thing is they're ma- they managed to do that but then they get caught in a classic vampire western gunfight and their plan in the gunfight <laughs> in the with the sun shining down <laughs> as far as we could determine what was their plan again to so shoot back well because shooting back made more holes that made more sun well, come the cops started shooting in when they were in the in the motel blasting. they hold up in broad daylight vampires yeah and then they they try to like make a run for whatever vehicle they had right but first they they had a lot of bravo bravado like they were going to win 
the cops, they were like, screw you cops. Like, let's show them what's what. We're vampires in the sun. We got this. <laughs> this is- like, and they were tough. They were like doing, they were acting like the, the crew ironically in the, the, the fury tank. Oh yeah. But which, so, and I guess it ends the same way. So I guess that but their tactics for having been around longer than Shia LaBeouf and, and Brad Pitt or whatever, I think the fury tank crew performed way better in oh, the same circumstance. I think, I think no doubt. I think Brad Pitt's haircut could take them all out. Like, <laughs> yeah, he was, yeah, he was killing people left and right. Um, all they managed to do was shoot holes in their own sun. <laughs> yeah, it was it was weird. Dude. I, did I, I miss something? No, no, no. So like, aside from like the bar scene, where, like Bill Paxton really, shines, which was amazing. Bill Paxton is kind of like the saving grace of this, followed by well, Homer. there's that amazing kill, the with the with the spur. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that was cool. The whole bar terrifying scene is it's fun to watch. Yes, and like it's it's definitely like probably like the biggest set piece yes of the movie and him chewing scenery and lance henderson looking like legit intimidating quiet menace mode like whatever some of that's fine but i mean this thing is like 104 percent on rotten tomatoes <laughs> I, I i couldn't believe my eyes no i i and and caleb uh you know he gets bit and he's he's, he's pretty much a vampire at this he point. gets gummed he gets gummed. Yep. But then he goes back to his dad, and they just do like a blood transfusion, which we disagreed on. I thought that was cool. You thought it was cool? Yeah, I did. I still think it's cool. I thought it was cool when I was watching it. I mean, where else have you seen someone get blood transfusion cured of vampirism? Like that's I... the logical conclusion. They do that in Bram Stoker's Dracula, doesn't Anthony Hopkins hook some people up to some? I think I, I've seen syringe, like you know. I think they try to save uh, what's her face. I don't know if it's successful though. No, it's not. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> it's is not... this the first time that they took it to the logical conclusion? They were like, "What if we drain someone totally of vampire blood and put a whole bunch of like the neighbor's blood in? See what happens?" And you know, I mean, hopefully, she doesn't turn to the neighbor. The neighbor... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how this works. But it was know. cool. It was cool that someone did it. I I don't know. I couldn't. I don't know, man. We were all we were just we were just bending rules everywhere with this <laughs> with, with this movie. Indeed. Uh, but Homer was cool. He was the little vampire. Homer was amazing. He was, oh, he was good. Him him uh, and Bill Paxton, I thought, were yeah. some of like the strongest. The strongest. Uh, yeah, I mean, Lance Henderson wasn't bad acting. He was just not given anything real to do, and then very little to say. And you know, Bill Paxton was fine. Homer was the, the he was the star of the show to me. I'd watch a spinoff movie of Homer. Oh, I would too. I'd watch near Homer any <laughs> any day of the week. No, no, I, I, I don't know. No, you don't mean to do that guy. Far, there, far Homer. There's just there's just too many shots of people in like a duster running through a cornfield, <laughs> smoking to death, and you're like, all right, all right, maybe vampires. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe you know the, the open countryside is it is it the best? I don't know. Maybe a city with some buildings and shade would do. Would do yeah, but that's good. not no. You could totally do this. There's a lot of open run running open space kills in Thirty Days a Night that they do just fine. It's 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 they they just didn't yeah do at it. night <laughs> when it's like totally cool for them to be out. <laughs> Barlow's not just like, you know, going through like Wendy's yeah, to get like the McDonald's breakfast and then go over Josh. Can you imagine? I just want to like, I want to do the near dark move. I was, someone's got to like do that, have the technology to be able to add the near dark move to every other vampire movie. I just want to see them all play out in the near dark way. Just to clarify for me that I'm not crazy and that this is this is bad. Because if I get to see 30 days night where Barlow's like looking, Barlow's looking down and he's like, 
no, no God. But son, <laughs> right? <laughs> no God. God, what time is it? <laughs> right, exactly. Oh shoot. Oh, seven oh five. We really, we really screwed. No up God damn it. <laughs> right. So yeah, if, if this, that's just that cut. All right. I don't know. Obviously, we were we were we were disappointed. But the bar scene was cool. Bill Pax was cool. Yeah. Uh, Lance Hendrickson was great. The ideas on good. paper are really cool. Yeah, but overall. Not what we thought it was. Not what we thought it was. So that leads us. And so we were originally going to do this for How Low Can We Go? So this is not an elite movie. It's just from an elite director. From an elite director. So this is John Carpenter. Vampires. John Carpenter Vampires. Dollar sign. Dollar sign. Dollar dollar bills. Dollar dollar bills. Um, This one. More exploding vampires. Even bigger. There's a there's there's a lot there's a lot more going on <laughs> in this movie. This movie's a lot more uh, streamlined than Mad God. I'll tell you that. I like, I can at least tell you what happened, the events that take place mm-hmm. uh, in Vampires. But it's a, it's a John Carpenter movie we haven't seen. We actually saw this, um, didn't do an episode, and then went and saw They Live. So it was kind of cool. We had like mm-hmm. two back to back Carpenter kind of experiences. Yep. Both very different. But both very different. They live better than expected and this worse yeah what did you expect going in to john carpenter's vampires i expected low budget um 30 days a night with a western red red dead redemption vibe and some john carpenter style what did you get Hmm. um what is this movie you know, uh, honestly, this is closest to my expectation of the three, which is a little unfair because, like you, I probably think that this is the least enjoyable of the three overall. Is that true? It's weird how it's. You're right. I could see you doing the mat crunch in the numbers, and mm-hmm. it's weird how I think we would rate the movies we just watched. I would sit through Mad God again before Vampires, for sure. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't pay attention to the whole thing, but I'd sit there. <laughs> You'd have it on. <laughs> I'd have it on. Right. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd mentally check it out. Uh, and then, yeah, I don't I don't know where to put... What do you think? Like, is Vampire's the least... Of the three, like, I offer you two years from now the unavoidable invitation to watch one of these movies. You have to sit down with me and watch one of these three movies exactly two years from now in this date. Which one are you picking? You have to re-experience one of these. I so get, I know I'm not doing Near Dark I because that years. really felt like a punch to the gut okay. of, of what okay. I was expecting from what I've you know okay. taken in. So okay. definitely not Near Dark. So I can eliminate that first. It's got to be Mad God. I think. I think. Yeah, actually, God. with my own phrasing, I think it might be vampires. <laughs> really? Yeah, Near Dark is the the dimmest of the three to me. There's just no totally. juice to squeeze left out of there. I'd just be hanging out for Bill Paxton and then dying inside. Yeah. So, so right. The, I love Cheryl Lee. I like some of what they do with Valak. The first Valak attack is kind of great in Vampires. There's yeah. some there's some Western shots. It's got the most Western-y vibe of the three to me. Near Dark had more of a, I'm training for the Olympics. Vibe. And I will say the opening <laughs> scene in Vampires was... I, I thought I, I wish the opening scene was what vampires was more of. Yes. Because it felt just like that a cool ragtag group of 
vampire hunters with like the craziest look of technology like they had like these like yep. big cool silver guns and like they had a a spear they would hook into someone and then someone at the truck would that was, it was a big wire hooked up to a truck and they yeah. would give them the sign it would drag the vampire outside in the sunlight and burn them up like they totally. had a, they had a really cool system so like yeah. that, that opening for vampires was like was pretty rad yeah totally and that's the thing is i mean the the so, you're you're hoping for something like this where any kind of comedic elements or James Woods for God's sake yes. is is involved. You're hoping for from dusk till dawn greatness, right? Mm-hmm. You're hoping for like a sneaky great unexpected performance from Juliet Lewis or Harvey Keitel. You're looking for right incredible action sequences. You're looking for that western like you feel like you got dust on your clothes when. It, Near dark gave me none of that, right? <laughs> so, mad God, I definitely had something on me, but it was shit. And then, <laughs> so I think I got to go with this one, amazingly. Wow. Because it's probably the least competently made of the three. God, don't kill me, John. But, like, you know, it, right? Like, I, you know. But that's not even his fucking fault, because I think they, like, one-third the budget of this. Oh, did they? Yeah, so I think I think so. First of all, I think this comes from really good source material. The the novel, <coughs> the John Stinkley novel, is actually legitimately pretty damn good. So, um, you know, I, I, the idea is strong underneath. You can feel it's got good, you know, core to it. So I think that part is. And then I read that it was set at sixty million, and then when they got ready to shoot it, because I think Carpenter came off a huge failure. I think it was Escape from L.A. Okay. Not failure aesthetically, just failure in terms of right. if bombed at the time, right? And he'd already been burned so many times, like he, so he was bummed out. So I think when he went to this, he was he thought a big budget. I get to do western, which is a passion of his, and I think he wanted like a vampire actiony hit on his hands. And then they took the budget from sixty million to twenty. <laughs> Oof. Right. So I don't think it's his fault. I think it's just. You know, coming off a you know a, a, a punch to the gut, and then having to try to make this work based on one third of what you were promised, I think it's it's okay. It's just not. Also, I I love Prince of Darkness. I love In the Mouth of Madness. I like mid tier. I'm sorry, that's probably a shorthand way to, to say it, but I I love the not Halloween thing, Carpenter. Right. You know, I love Christine. I love that the movies in this. In the I wanted this to be there, but this is not there. This is living down with Escape from LA. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it there was it just didn't it just didn't hit right. There was just something about it, like even like the um, you know he's, he he does a lot of his scores and it just, there was just something about like it wasn't like super memorable. No, you know like that's one of the tests we always talk about. Like you yep. remember like so like I actually you know we talked about how much like we really didn't enjoy the Green Knight, but like there's right. good music in the Green Knight. Yeah. I remember that. There's some good visuals in the Green Knight. Totally. Um, there's good visuals in Vampires. Um. But it just it just felt like a like the math wasn't adding up. You're like John Carpenter plus <laughs> right cool source material yep. plus cool ragtag group of vampire hunters. Yeah, you know they were like kind of referred to him as like rats or something like that. Like rats, is yep. that something they were talking yep. about? You're like okay, that should be great. And then you do the math and you're like, well, hold on, wait a minute, why am I? <laughs> did, I, did, I did I not carry the one? It's like what right. what happened? Right, exactly. That and the thing first of all, it didn't age very well. So that's not that's not no. good. Of the three movies, this. 
Well, Matt Gatton hasn't aged at all. I, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> it's aged and not aged at the same time. <laughs> right, exactly. But um, weird. It has, it's brand new. It feels the most dated. But <laughs> <laughs> this movie um, has the James Woods character, unsurprisingly, is, Who's is appalling. Right. Yeah. So, and then the corny stuff doesn't really work. So it's a hybrid that doesn't work. That's a dangerous. You're better off to go pure and fail, right? Like, yeah. like take Primer. Primer is like the this super low budget time travel conceit sci fi movie that caused the like a, a you know a, a buzz for a minute um, because it's it's pretty cleverly constructed or whatever. It does a lot with a little, but that's all it's doing. It's trying to right. fuck with your mind with a time travel conundrum on like a sixty gram budget or whatever, and it's all it's trying to do. It did also try to be a musical for a third of the time because that's not a wise idea. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> this was like, people were serious in their stakes and people were getting killed in appalling ways. And Cheryl Lee was amazing. So I was rooting for her to, you know, whatever, like I, like you always do with her. Cause she's so gifted. And then, you know, they would say something just so dad jokey or bad or, Dumb. Yeah, he, James Woods would be like, "You want to smell my balls?" And you're like, "What?" And he's like, "I'm just messing with you." Like, but do you? And you're like, "What are we doing here? What are we? What are we doing?" What here? is this? But then, like, you have like these weird dad jokes that's mixed in with like a really cool idea of mm -hmm. the Vatican mm -hmm. sending people out to kill these vampires. Yep. And I even thought the Vatican twist at the end was not too bad. Yeah, that they're co-conspiring, of course. I yeah, mean, that's right. But that no, I mean that's kind of where you would have to go with that, or not have the Vatican at all. You know what? It's pro-Vatican horror movies. <laughs> hey, Very specific hey, subgenre. Hey, William Freakin is out there. <laughs> he is out there with, with Father Mort, just like don't you shit on our <laughs> genre, dude. Agree. So yeah, but anyway, I yeah I. And and maybe it's just a game of expectations because I think I didn't have that high expectations for this, but. Again, I really wanted it to just get there, and it couldn't do it, which is fine. I mean, it it it, it, does, it does some memorable stuff and does enough. But again, and this is part. I I'm imagining how much of like the potential audience thinks that we're crazy as we casually just go. Thirty days of night is clearly better, but I wonder what the actual proportion of Horror fandom actually thinks 30 Days of Night is better than John Carpenter's Vampires. We're assuming that's true. You and I think that's well, yeah, true. We're, yeah, we're just, uh, yeah, we, right? I don't want to spell, we're not speaking for anyone else. <laughs> right, but that's, on Rotten Tomatoes, I'm probably around the same, you know, place, if not, if 30 Days isn't low. Well, I, you know, it made me bring up another thing uh, that we talked about kind of briefly was when it comes to, you know, if, if you have the Vampire Western shootout, He's made the best one, and I'm sure there's other vampire westerns we're missing on. But if we do, what are like you know the three we're talking about now? Vampires, Near Dark, and From Dusk Till Dawn. I mean, those are that's that's John Carpenter, mm -hmm. that's Catherine Bigelow, and they got and the winner by Robert Rodriguez. Right? How cool! <laughs> like, In the showdown of that? vampire, yeah, it's, that's and you would have never thought it going into it. No, I would, I would have bet zero dollars on this. I would have bet that Near Dark would have been the best. Yeah, going into it, definitely. And I would have, I wouldn't have been that surprised if I didn't like John Carpenter's Vampires, but I was surprised that I was bored. <laughs> yeah, well, I also grew up. Uh, my my old best friend Terry used to say John Carpenter's Vampires was his favorite vampire movie. Mm -hmm. So maybe we just came to it too late. Maybe we should have watched it. <laughs> yeah, a long I mean time that's the, ago. that's the thing is I could see. 
if you were living in a time where vampire movies started really tame and you had like Chris Sarandon and Fright Night glam vampires and you right. had like whatever and then all of a sudden the near dark comes along and it's this kind of thoughtfully constructed movie built a little unusual with its characterization and it hits you with that opening right you, yeah. you know you could see that making an impact or a memory at the time based on you know what you might have been seeing around it although i feel like 87 was a pretty goddamn good year for horror so whatever but, yeah. but what well, i mean it, it also is just the cast i mean there's so much goodwill to this cast right do you think that because every director is going to have a couple of movies that aren't too great yeah i mean Hitchcock. Right, so every direct, every director has a couple of movies that just don't aren't you know they're not gonna be up to snuff with some of the other movies. Right. Do you think watching vampires and then going into They Live, do you think that made the They Live even sweeter? Like, yeah, I do. I think. I mean, I think in this case, I, but I don't think it would would have made any kind of like significant difference. Like if, if they yeah, lived, like we were still gonna enjoy They right. Live to a certain level. I think it was a much more of an impact how we saw They Live. Yes. Right. So, but, but check out our last episode but, but the, for that one. Right. Good. <laughs> but the biggest impact by far is that they live a goddamn masterpiece. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I still think we would have enjoyed it a lot. And, but I don't, I don't even, I don't even know like what watching vampires before how it would have made it sweeter. Mm-hmm. I just have that kind of like gut feeling that it did to some level. Yep. Which is kind of interesting. Yeah. To- totally. But the, the thing is, near dark. I, that was one of the things that I felt like was really strangely missing. And and I'd love if someone... This is the thing that most was surprising to me. And if someone can explain how I missed it, I would love to, to find out. Because it, <coughs> it truly was surprising. I expected Near Dark to be subversive. Right. right? Like the way Ginger Snaps is subversive. Or the way yeah. I didn't... I, or I didn't expect it to not feel subversive and the fact that it didn't feel subversive at all really took me by surprise but we did watch some good stuff oh yeah okay we got elites it. that came through go ahead elites that came through and for me it is without a doubt stranger things <coughs> i'm sorry i love yours Stranger season four stranger you didn't even hesitate when i was was i pitching this right before recording you're like oh i know mine oh i mean it, it was it's just it's no question like season four has been my favorite in fact um the first episode, maybe it was like the first two episodes, I was kind of like lukewarm on. Like, I liked mm-hmm. the introduction to, like, the Hellfire Club and, um, you know, the Grandfather Clock and all, like, the you know, all that stuff. Right. But there was a couple scenes that just felt, like, really kind of wonky. Mm-hmm. Like, wonky, like, written-wise. And I, I don't know what it was. And Alex and I were like, we kind of looked at each other. We're like, are you into this? And I was right. like, not really, but like I'm not. I not knew you were gonna it. finish it, but I wasn't sure you were gonna finish it for some weeks, and that's not the feeling you get when you're loving something. That's that's yeah. the vibe I got from afar at some point, and then it changed, and then you. Yeah, and then episode for for some reason episode three on up just completely switched. And episode four, I think, was the one that has the Kate Bush song running up mm-hmm. that hill, which everyone, which that scene, there. I mean, that it's crazy. What a master class of a scene can do for someone like i mean that song you know came out totally. 30 you know, 40 30 years ago or Incredible. something like that and now it's like charting and like yep. she's got i guess making more music or something like that but that scene alone was like i remember when it ended i i, I looked at Alex, and i was like i think that's like my favorite scene ever from like any stranger things like it's just such mm-hmm. a powerful uh good moment i will now i will say this so like stranger things so far has been amazing i really really love it i'm looking forward to july 
mm-hmm. when this, uh, the next two episodes come out so they right. can finish it. Everything about it's great. Robert England's in it. like yep. And uh, Vedka, or oh God, I can't remember the guy's name right now. Main villain, mm-hmm. whatever. It's, it's the one t- that's trending right now. For... Total Freddy Krueger thing. You mm-hmm. know, he kind of like pulls you into like this dream-esque lights you know state and it's totally yeah and then and then robert england's in it yep. and it's so great to see him acting totally um the only thing i didn't really like about this season of stranger things uh so far was that uh spoiler if you haven't watched it, is that hoppers in like a russian prison the whole time and it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't pay off until like the last <laughs> episode right and so whenever it like cuts to him you're kind of like oh, okay yeah it's, not, <laughs> and it's clear not gonna be as interesting as anything with like 11 or uh Steve or whatever, right. you know, like all those guys. Um, but the last episode, it's weird. Everything that I didn't like eventually got there. So like it, end, it ended with where like, I'm now excited to see what happens with Hopper and like the rest of the crew. That's interesting. I'll be damned. Yeah. So it's, it's, I'm super looking forward to it. I like it. I, I, I like the, yeah. I, and I also, I, I've come to like that they built it this way. I'm glad that there's only two more left that we're not hanging with huge chunks of stranger things left. That right. It's just going to be like a mad dash to the finish. And they're both long. I think like the, one of the episodes, like an hour and a half, the other was like two. They'll be meaty, 15. but you're, yeah. yeah. You know, it's right. not, it's not like they're going to be like, Hey, here's two 30 minute episodes. I'm like, why did we wait a month for, for that? You know what I mean? It's like it's too big, you know, big little you know, chunks. And everyone's just like, bye. <laughs> right. Yeah. And yeah. it's, it's one of those things like, you know, it's, it's been a few years. Like, I still think the best summer I've ever had, like in my life, and especially like in LA, was the summer season three came out because it was like it was Fourth of July weekend. We went to a friend's house for a pool party. Then we mm. went to saw Family of the Opera. Then we went to Yamashiro for the first time. And then I had like I did like a stand comedy on like the main stage. Oh, like cool. it was like a really packed weekend. Yeah. And like that to me was like, oh, summer doesn't get better than this. Right. And so when this season came out, you know, it's, it's it didn't come out on Fourth of July. Right. But I was like, you know, for some reason, every as soon as it's June, everyone's like, it's summer, and I'm like, yeah, it's June twentieth, <laughs> I think, or it's twenty second. I was like, technically that's summer. Don't try to steal spring's mojo. Right. Uh, but it totally like. Watching Stranger Things, like, it kicked me into like a summer mood, and I'm yep. like, "Oh, summer in LA, baby! Here we go! Like, let's let's get this bread." That's awesome. I uh, so it. I look, I'm looking forward to the rest. It was definitely, especially after Vampires Near Dark. Um, Not you didn't want another disappointment from something, but that didn't want to dis- should be quality. Didn't want a disappointment. Didn't get a disappointment. Love it. Um, my elite that came through is Stephen King. I haven't. I realized that I haven't read Stephen King in a while, (laughs) right? Like it's been a few years now. What was the, do you remember the last King you read? Um, yes, I reread misery because someone had written a pretty convincing argument that it was his best book. So I wanted to reread it and see if I bought that. And I didn't, but it's a great book. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's, it's It's a great book. Um, I went back and read a short story called Survivor Type. It's one of the very first things of his that I read. It was in like Skeleton Crew or Night Shift, one of the very first short story collections. I mean, there's so many reissues now, I can't keep track of it. Right. I think I told you about this story once. It's about a surgeon who ends up in a Tom Hanks castaway situation, but he ends up on an island. But this island is much smaller than the castaway island, and it's just rocks and sand, right? So he can't find anything to eat. So basically, to stay alive, he starts amputating himself and eating it. So he eats. Oh him. no! He eats himself to death. Spoiler, right? 
and um, he goes mad while he's doing it, right? And and the the here's the the amazing part. What I what I feared was that this was a really early Stephen King story. There was no way my little kid memory of the being impressed by the story. It's not true. Like it's not. It's not that it's not horror, but it's like more saw trap. It's not. There's no supernatural. There's no. You know. Right. It's a. It's a contained. It's Ryan Reynolds buried. Right. Sure. So, I was like, "There's no way that Stephen King is going to be able to convincingly write from the point of view of like a top-notch surgeon." <laughs> like, I would go back and there's going to be like classic, you know, writer research mistakes. And, oh yeah. You know, like <laughs> yeah. yeah, whatever. And. I'll be damned if I was right. There's no way he doesn't sound like a surgeon at all. But Stephen King was touched by God with this ability to write in a voice that makes you feel like this really happened to someone. I don't know what it is. I don't know how he does it. I still couldn't put my finger on it. But he didn't convince me that a surgeon did this to himself on an island, but he convinced me that someone did this to themselves on an island, <laughs> right? Like this. And, and the funny thing is we're going to come full circle in like the weirdest possible way here. Oh, hell yeah. Because it ends with a commercial TV jingle that <laughs> the story trails off with a jingle. It's the only time I've ever read a short story that ended with a commercial jingle. It ends the way Mad Men ends, which is <laughs> Stephen King was way ahead of his time. This way, the way Mad Men ended with a Coke commercial. So, like, um, it's the McDLT, the keep the soft side. Uh -uh. <laughs> well, it's not. It's 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 like it's a McDonald's thing, but it made me think of the McDLT. <laughs> so it's the two all beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions. That that whatever that is. Right. It, so what he's done is he's down to one hand left and he's he's got nothing else to chop off. He's chopped off his feet. He's oh chopped off God. the other hand, right? And he's dying of starvation and dehydration and he's only got one hand left. And he's like, can I do this? Can I chop off a hand with no other, like, he's like, I can do this. I'm so hungry. I'm so hungry. All I want to do is eat too. I'll be fed special sauce, lettuce, cheese. And it just trails off with this insane man on a desert <laughs> trying to figure out how to chop off his one remaining hand or anything else he could chop. He's taking off his legs to the knees. Like he's just laying. Oh my God. Right. It's horrifying. But it's magnificent. Like Stephen King was And that's the thing is even with flaws, it's still like there's this fountain of just horror writer is like stuff and he just had it and it's still amazing to this day it's not the best written story it's corny Which, and what parts. is it again it's called survivor type survivor type survivor type he's like i'm a survivor type oh buddy <laughs> oh, man. he is i mean he's not dead when you leave the story he's still alive eh. he's 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 uh anakin it on revenge of the sith oh my god <laughs> but whatever anyway I expected to be disappointed, and I was not. It. I expected like it was going to be corny, and I was like, I can't believe I like this as much as I did. <laughs> it was still. So if you did the movie, so if you did the movie, it would be you know him looking at his hand, close up of his eyes, and then a smash cut to Jason Alexander like jumping out <laughs> with, with the McDLT. <laughs> It'd be perfect. <laughs> I think we could do it. We could totally do it. it it's it's. That's the thing, though. I love that, you know, I, I love we ended with positivity because it didn't feel right. It's not our usual mode no. 
to like hate, but like, hate but, through. We kept getting burned, and we're like, "Fuck it, we're just making an episode out of it." Three in a row means yeah, because three we, on a match. You we watch we watch vampires. So like you know what? We'll just re-roll and how can we go? It's totally fine. There's no rules. We'll just do it. It's fine. We watched near dark. There are rules, but that wasn't a rule. Well, we watched mm-hmm. near dark, and we did near dark, and I I wanted to bring this up earlier. Near dark and Mad God had the same oh shit realization where. We hit pause, not knowing how far we were into the movie, and there was like 22 minutes left, and nothing like really big happened, and we were like, "Oh man, yeah, it's unsavable now." That, yeah, yeah, like you're past the point of, yeah. no, of no of no return. Doesn't matter. Um, so yeah, we eventually just wanted to roll it all into one episode, and I'm glad we did. It feels kind of good. We don't normally like to go negative, and it, we're not saying like you know don't watch these movies. Like you could, I'm sure someone else could watch these and find something. Yeah, they totally I mean, did. Tons of people have enjoyed these movies. Who the hell are we? And also, right. and also, like worse things could happen. Like you could lose your limbs slowly. Well, could you imagine? Hearing, if, hearing could Taco you Bell imagine if you got a McDLT and it was someone's hand? <laughs> no, I mean, I guess it would keep it would keep the bread soft and the hand warm. <laughs> <laughs> and the nail sharp. No, oh, I don't like that. Well, I'm no. glad we got that out. Yes. Feels good, and we've you know we've we've aligned our 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 horror movie chakras. And we're going back to how logo we go. So we'll we'll and we're gonna we're gonna put, we're gonna go back to the group. Oh my god, we keep oh yeah we keep thinking. You know what? It's John Carpenter. We don't need that. We don't need to ask the group. It's John Carpenter. We're fine. It's well, good. we can tell like. There, some of these had reasons. John Carpenter's Vampires was intriguing to us because in now 1.5 runs of How Low Can We Go, I think it was the first one that was the same rating in both places we're using. Yes. Metacritic and Rotten Tomatoes. That was very interesting. Usually they're really divergent. They're like 15, 20 points off of it's each other. It's very different. And they were the same. We're like, oh my God, we haven't seen it. And it's John Carpenter. And it's intriguing for the score thing. It's a sure winner. <laughs> Back to the group. <laughs> winner to some, losers to many. <laughs> exactly <laughs> Devil all. But it feels good. Alright, yes. so moving forward, we're gonna we're just gonna channel some good some good horror movie energy. Yes. Mostly by having the group help us. Yes. <laughs> please, help. please. And if you're watching this on YouTube, oh yeah, join the Facebook group on Hello you know, Weekly Horror Group. Yeah, that's where we that's where we do all, all the all the all the polling and love to have you. <laughs> yeah, and if you like the movies uh, let us know in a five star iTunes review. Let us know what we're missing. I feel like mm-hmm. I do feel like I am like one YouTube video essay away from like I don't yeah. want to say I don't want to say loving it, but having an, a more of an understanding of what it is. Yeah, I that's the thing is it, it, this hap- It's so weird. It's the way I feel when people do this to The Witch, which clearly to me is a great movie. Totally, but th- when they're so sure that it's terrible, right? Right, and I feel like now it's flipped. No. Yes. Right. And and I like when I can explain what, you know, I think is merit of the witch. And I like if it changes someone's mind, if it's helpful. Right. So I want it back. Let's yeah. do it. Let's and do I, it. And I honestly feel like because I like Near Dark the least, I feel like somehow that that's should be the, the most savable. I feel like that's the one that's could be the most savable. It's really right. weird. So if, if you're one of those people who really love it, like like let like fill me in. Like I would love to like be able to join that group of like, yeah, well, yeah, totally. I can now, now appreciate it. So until next time. Stay scary, watch a bunch of horror movies. We'll see y'all next time. Bye.